Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Sam Sokol is my regular diaspora jury correspondent, and he joins me from Israel to talk about the outcomes of this week's UK-British elections. Sam, welcome, and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I always get so happy to hear your voice on the other side, Sam. Um, Sam, shall we start? <laughs> shall we start with the British elections? The results coming out this morning showed that while. Um, uh, um, May's party is slightly ahead. The Conservatives are no longer have the majority seat. Sam, what are the what is the impact of that, or what is your analysis of that? Uh, look, at this point, uh, things are up in the air. This is going to complicate the uh, the government's plans for going ahead with a hard Brexit. Uh, it's really unclear what's going to happen uh, at the moment. We're looking at a hung parliament and. Uh, Theresa May has until uh, the 13th of June to put together a uh, new coalition uh, to keep herself in power or to resign. Uh, in the meantime, Jeremy Corbyn is calling for her to resign now. She's refusing. And honestly, the uh, the biggest takeaway, I think, at least from a Jewish perspective, not necessarily from an overall political perspective, but from a specifically Jewish perspective, I think that this results of this election are worrying because – it shows that being, one, a uh, terrorist fellow traveler, and two, an enabler of anti-Semites, is not disqualifying for a politician in a major Western democracy. Uh, there was actually, you know, anyone who follows anything regarding the Labour Party is familiar with uh, Jeremy Corbyn's uh, hobnobbing with anti-Semites. There was a very good piece in Foreign Policy magazine a couple of days ago uh, summarizing everything that he's done, but he's famously uh, called people from Hamas and Hezbollah friends. He's accepted money to appear about twenty thousand pounds to appear five times on Iranian uh, regime-funded press TV. Uh, he's uh, attended rallies in honor of uh, members of the IRA. Uh, the man is, uh, you know, you have. You always have a, a respectable right and a respectable left, people who you can disagree with, but were, are, who are within the bounds of rational discourse. And you, so you have the Republican Party, and then you have the KKK. You have the Democratic Party, you know, and you have, uh, and then you have the Communist Party representing the far left. So you always have these types of things. And what Jeremy Corbyn represents, is the takeover of the mainstream left-wing party in Britain by a hard-left lunatic, essentially. Uh, I mean, yeah, I wish there was a nicer way to say it, but the, the, under under Corbyn, the incident, the the frequency of incidents of anti-Semitism uh, by members of the party has uh, increased enormously. Uh, the party's reputation, uh, uh, reputation within the Jewish community has uh, crashed. The, the fact is that the party has really done whatever it can to defend itself from these allegations by deflection and by saying, no, we're, we're good on this issue. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's people going after us politically. But the truth of the matter is that he has 
entered into he, he sort of brought into the party elements which uh, would be unacceptable to the normal left. Just as someone in the Republican Party will say, "Okay, the KKK, I disavow." Well, you would want someone in the Labour Party to say, "Okay, Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, you know, uh, the uh, regime in Venezuela, the Cubans, I disavow." But he's a big fan of these. Uh, for instance, he was a big fan of Chavez, who was this great idol on the left, who essentially uh, destroyed his country, uh, took a prosperous country to turn it into a third world country. So uh, regardless of what his impact is in terms of policy, for someone in the Jewish community, uh, the fact that he's able to do so well is, is terrifying. Uh, I will say, though, that the election also had a, a tinge of humor. There are are photos going that around now of Theresa May standing next to a man in a black outfit with a black cape wearing a giant cylinder on his head uh, going around on Twitter and people have been asking what it is. And there was a really interesting piece on CNN explaining this. There's, there's a third party candidate who was contesting Theresa May's seat in uh, her local district who calls himself uh, Lord Buckethead. And I, I kid you not. <laughs> Google him. Everyone who's listening to this should go right now and Google while they're listening. It's for, for Lord Buckethead. One word, Buckethead. It's, and he's a fringe third-party candidate who's there as a joke. And they had a picture of all the candidates after the election, uh, for the district, <laughs> after the votes came in. And she's standing next to a guy calling himself Lord Buckethead, as well as a... In some of the photos, you can also see her next to a men's rights activist dressed in a giant plush Elmo costume. So this is sort of reminiscent of the American elections when you had the third party candidate, the perennial third party candidate uh, who never gets any votes, uh, Vermin (laughs) Supreme, who's a guy, a performance artist who wears a bucket, a boot on his head. So, uh, you, you know, with everything going on in England, though, I don't think what's happening there is merely as ridiculous and silly as what's happening in America now. What I think I find surprising, and and possibly others do too, is the horrific Manchester terrorist attack and the London terrorist attack didn't seem to impact at all on this election. Would you agree with that? No, the opposite. The opposite, in fact. uh, The truth is when there's a terrorist attack, it generally benefits the more hawkish party. And... Uh, the truth of the matter is that, uh, as I said, Jeremy Corbyn is, he's not a terrorist, but he's a fellow traveler. He's a sympathizer. He says great, good things about terrorists and terrorist supporting regimes. You would think that uh, this would be very bad for him, and it wasn't. And I think that this indicates a very high level of discontent with, uh, with, the, you know, with, the, uh, with the conservatives, which is uh, surprising because – well, we all know uh, how polling has been over the last uh, few, last year or two, but Theresa May was polling a lot better than she did. Mm. And you spoke about the American elections, which I think means we have to talk about Trump. But I think probably let's take a break now. And when we come back, we'll look at um, the Trump visit to Israel and the effect it has had on the Middle East. Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. I'm Sharice Zeffert, and I'm talking to Sam Sukkel. Sam, um, Trump has now returned back from his visit to Israel. What do you think the impact of his visit has been? Uh, on Israel specifically, so far, 
not much particularly. Nothing has fundamentally changed since he came. There are uh, reports that he was screaming at uh, Palestinian President Abbas uh, about the issue of incitement, uh, though this is not something that we can say for sure. He's denied it. We don't know. Uh, but on the ground, we'll have to see what's going on behind the scenes, what happens later. But on the ground, nothing has essentially changed. What has changed in the region since his visit uh, is has less to do with Israel than uh, Qatar, actually, mm-hmm. which was uh, you know one of the Gulf countries. And they have a very close military relationship with the states. And when the, the Saudis uh, and several other countries broke with Qatar, and Donald Trump comes out, takes credit for it, <laughs> says it's because of him, and starts justifying the move, something that he tried to walk back only hours later. And it, you have to understand that America has some major bases there that they're using to uh, as the hub for their air war against the Islamic State. Air operations for the U.S. in uh, Syria, in Afghanistan, uh, Yemen, anywhere the U.S. has air operations in the Middle East, you can bet it's being run through Qatar. And there are senior officials who have been quoted saying, you know, we don't think that Trump understood <laughs> that there was an American military base in Qatar before he went off on them. And honestly, this should be terrifying to everyone, including the Israelis, because not only is Trump impulsive, but Trump is willing to make major foreign policy moves with no knowledge whatsoever. Uh, the, the man is not only, uh, you know, I, this is not a nice way to speak about a sitting president, but he's not only ignorant, but he has the impulse control of a child. So this is rather scary. And, uh, we really don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I think I've said this before. Even if Trump had the best idea for how to bring peace, I don't think he particularly uh, has the wherewithal for the follow-through, uh, for the actual implementation. And more than that, uh, you know, I think that he's just so unpredictable. We, we were talking about Qatar and how he just went off against uh, his own country's interests. Uh, in, in a similar vein, we, when he promises something, we don't know if he's going to do it. So, uh, And we saw how he took a, an old sta- a, a, a standing alliance and he threw it to the side, at least temporarily. And that goes to the heart of Trump as a president, which is he's unreliable. So, for instance, he saw he promised that he would move the uh, the embassy to Jerusalem. Now, whether you're for that or against it, it's a good thing, it's a bad thing. Uh, it, it, it's, it's irrelevant what people think about it. The, the, what's rel- most relevant, what's most important, is that he said he would do something and he didn't. He's not a trustworthy figure, and I think that that makes it harder to get any sort of deal done. And, you know, he positions himself as a deal maker, but he's not someone that people can trust because a, a diplomatic deal is very different than a uh, than a real estate deal which, <laughs> or a mar- or a marketing deal because he's more of a marketer than a real estate person. But the truth is that uh, it's already very hard to to, to get something moving. We Haaretz just reported uh, a day or two ago that there had been a draft framework that Netanyahu had in principle agreed to. Uh, calling for uh, the 67 borders, land swaps, 
etc. And that Abbas just uh, said that he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't sign to. And the U.S. after that happened decided to create a new draft without Israeli input, saying that they would get East Jerusalem as a capital. And he went. They, the Americans went back to Abbas and said, "Okay, you know what? You're getting this now." And he refused. And part of that, according to some people, is due to the fact they didn't think that BB would follow through right. on what he on his agreements. But I'm not sure I, I buy that. But the truth of the matter is, let's let's assume that's true for a second. Uh, and it's not just because of his own obstinacy and fear of Hamas taking over and all these other factors. Let's assume that the only thing is because he's scared that he, he can't rely on the other side. Well, with Trump, all the more so. Uh, the truth is that there's just no way either side can trust what Trump says. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just pushed and his throwing of Qatar under the bus, even though he tried to you know, salvage it afterwards. Holy God, he's just destroyed all credibility he has here. Yeah, and, and the impact is huge. I mean, for the, for the region is a, a tense region as it is. Uh, you know, it can certainly add fuel to fire. Yes. Uh, and I think that Trump politically, we're going to see a, you know, Trump isn't done politically by any means, but uh, I think he's in, he's in deep trouble at the moment. Uh, did you watch uh, James Comey's testimony yesterday? No, I didn't. Can you tell me about it? Yes, yes, I can. So the former uh, the former FBI director gave a uh, gave testimony yesterday uh, before the uh, before a Senate committee, and he essentially said, "Listen, Trump is dishonest. Trump lied about the FBI. Trump lied about me. Trump defamed the FBI. Trump did." A, B, and C. You know, Trump uh, asked me to find my way to making a, uh, you know, making Michael the Michael Flynn uh, investigation disappear. It looks very much like obstruction of justice. And look, the Republicans are not exactly chomping at the bit to to go after him for this. But this none of this looks good for him at the moment. Sam, we're going to leave it there. Um, thank you so much for joining me, as always. We're going to probably pick up the conversation in about three weeks' time. Uh, next week is a public holiday here in South Africa, so I will not be doing the show. But um, I look forward when we next chat to see to see how the world looks. It seems to be changing almost on a daily basis. Oh, yes. That's for sure. <laughs> Sam, uh, Sam, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.